With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. to everyone and welcome once again to another edition of the Carlos Brown Show. You can always watch it live exclusively right here on the Black College Sports Network. Here's what's coming up on today's guest menu in hour number one, and you can see him right now, Charles Edmond, he'll join me here on the Carlos Brown Show. A big scrimmage is coming up for the Alcorn State Braves. We'll talk about that with Charles Coming up very shortly, following Charles Edmund will be Willa Brown, the Associate Athletic Director of Fort Valley State. He'll join me as the second guest on today's show. Then in hour number two, Brandon B.J. Jones of the B.J. Jones Show, forthcoming here on the Black College Sports Network. He joins me in hour number two. Following Brandon B.J. Jones will be Rod, Rod Walker of the New Orleans advocate, NOLA.com. He'll join me. We'll switch gears a little bit and talk about the New Orleans Saints. They open up the preseason with a loss. He'll give us the latest on the quarterback competition. That's still going on. And then he will uh, preview any camp battles that are remaining and also a preview, a look at Monday's night game against the Jacksonville uh, Jaguars. And then last but not least, A.D. Drew, Black College Sports Network's sports rap. He'll join me, and uh, he'll be telling you about a a poll that's going to debut. I'm going to let him tell you all about it. So here's what's uh, trending. Here's what's trending on the Coles Brown Show. Congratulations to Coach Pete Richardson. Now he has the football field named after him. Now, it's still going to be A.W. Mumford Stadium. They'll play games on the Pete Richardson uh, football field. Although the field will be called Pete Richardson Field, the name of the stadium remains A.W. Mumford Stadium in honor of the late Southern University football coach who guided the Jaguars to 179 victories, five black college national championships, and 11 swag championships during his 27 years on the bluff. 
The recommendation to name the field after Richardson came from Southern University Athletic Director Roman Banks, Board Chairman Des Moines Rutledge, President Chancellor Dr. Ray Belton, and other distinguished Southern University Athletic supporters. So Coach Richardson came to Baton Rouge in 1993, 134 wins and during a 17-year career, and is the second, second winningest coach in Southern football history and wins and winning proceed, uh, percentage. Richardson, affectionately known as Coach Pete, won five SWAT titles, 1993, 97, 98, 99, and 2003, and four HBCU national championships, 1993, 95, 97, and 2003. Thus birthing the greatest fan base, according to many, in college athletics, the Jaguar Nation. He also was four and two in the Heritage Bowl appearances. And also, he was undefeated against iconic coach Eddie Robinson. So congratulations to Coach Pete Richardson now having the football field named after him. Let me, let me introduce, and I, and I have some more trending Charles' opinion on it. Charles Edmond of the Alcorn State Radio Network. Charles, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Week zero, seven days and about seven hours away. Wait a minute, say that again. Week zero, seven days and about seven hours away. Charles, I'm so excited. I almost I, I was thinking seven hours. <laughs> but, <laughs> it seems that uh, way, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, seven seven days, and we're gonna we're gonna talk to you about that. Uh, we're also gonna preview the Fred McNair show that will debut Monday on the All Course State Radio Network and Black College Sports uh, Network. Um, but before we we do that, another trending top story is the MEAC SWAC challenges back, of course, this year after the pandemic, of course, North Carolina Central and Alcorn State will kick it off in seven days. But there was also some information released from uh, Executive Director John Grant. In 2022, Howard is scheduled to square off against Alabama State. 23, channel features Jackson State meeting South Carolina State. And in 2024, Norfolk State plays uh, fam you and then in 2025 they have a commitment from southern university now the opponent will be named before then but um what are your thoughts on the swag meag challenge starting of course with all court state in north carolina central and then the other games announced um i mean it's obviously it's obviously a big deal I mean, I, you know, when you talk about the SWAC versus the MEAC in any sport, that always generates a lot of excitement. Um, this is our second go-round with this. We played Bethune-Cookman a few years ago down in Daytona, a game that was eventually uh, canceled due to lightning. So this is our second go-round with this. And, and I, I think it's a really, really neat idea to get the SWAC versus the MEAC. You bounce it around. Different teams have been in it. Different SWAC teams have been in it. Different MEAC teams have been in it. So, I mean, it, it, the, the original concept was to have it one year at, at the home of the SWAC team and then the next year at, at the home of the MEAC. Then they found a, a central location in, in Atlanta. So you start in Atlanta and you end in Atlanta. So I, I think it's a really neat idea. 
um, you know, week zero thing. And it, it's obviously building with college game day. We'll be in Atlanta live next week. First take. Obviously, they're going remote, but they were supposed to have been in Atlanta. So, I mean, it's really building up pretty, pretty good. And, and, and that's a good thing. That's what you want to see, uh, the notoriety for the SWAC as well as the MEAC. So I'm, I'm really excited about it, looking forward to it, and looking forward to many more SWAC MEAC challenges, regardless of who's in it. And, and what I also like about it is moving to week zero, but in prime time. Yes. That that's good because you know in the past you, you're fighting uh, the elements of heat and humidity and you remember one year in Orlando, uh, Orlando's like Baton Rouge, very humid. So that that's a good thing in prime time. Everybody's excited. Everybody's excited, Charles. It's week zero, and there'll be other games going on. But my focus and my attention will be, of course, with Alcorn State and North Carolina Central. So hey, can't wait. Seven days, not seven hours, seven days <laughs> for the Spagniak Challenge. Uh, Charles, also the Southwest Athletic Com Conference announced its 2021 SWAC volleyball predicted auto finish Thursday with Alabama and them, Charles, picked to win it all. The prognosticator says Alabama and them. Alabama State coming in second, Jackson State third, Prairie View fourth. Bethune-Cookman, 5th, FAMU, 6th, 7th, Arkansas Pine Bluff, 8th, Alcorn State, 9th, Grambling State, 10th place, Southern University, 11th, Texas Southern University, and 12th, Mississippi Valley State. Charles, boy, it, you usually it's predictive order to finish with 10 teams. Now you've got to add two. Got to read the list a little bit longer there. Your thoughts on the, on the volleyball? Yeah, you know, I got a chance for the first time to uh, cover the SWAC volleyball championships in Birmingham for the SWAC Digital Network. And volleyball is fast paced and it's a lot of fun and it's a lot of energy and it's a lot of excitement. Uh, unfortunately, you know, due to COVID cases with UAPB Lady uh, Volleyball, uh, Jackson State won the championship. And uh, you would think that Jackson State would have been favored to, to win it again. But uh, obviously, uh, that's not the case. And and uh, I, I think it just shows you with volleyball how one year you might have something going and then the next year there's a fall off. So obviously the SWAC voters felt that way. Uh, it was Jackson State and UAPB actually in the championship game. And so I was really surprised, you know, where UAPB was finished. So I, look, with volleyball, there's a lot of moving pieces every year. And so therefore your roster changes every year. So you might be top of the heap one year and then you might be middle of the heap near the bottom the next year. So. Hey, that, that, that's what makes the swag what it is in volleyball, because just like in baseball, it's like in softball, you just never know who's going to hoist that trophy at the end of the day. I will promise two things if I'm a coach. And I, I think you're familiar with what I'm about to say, Charles. We're going to show up and we're going to play hard. And then I would add, you want to be consistent. Consistency near the top, always in a position to be playing for a championship. Those are three things that I, I would utilize as a coach just from my perspective um charles alcorn state university and i'm still on my trending stories well they've hired a new baseball coach reginald williams a southern university background with coach kador uh, minor league experience he's done a little bit of everything charles on paper 
this seems to be a, a good hire. What are, you, what are your thoughts about it? Um, reading his bio yesterday and the day before, I mean, he, he's got a good pedigree, um, got major league experience, major league contacts. So that's a good thing on the other side of it. Um, he comes in, you know, kind of on the, on the late end of the, of the baseball schedule. Right now, you have teams getting ready for fall camp, you know, fall World Series as you, you get ready for the semesters. So he's got to hit the ground running. Um, don't have a lot of players on the roster right now um, because of this hire was just made at this time in August. So he's got some work to do. But I, I feel confident just based on his pedigree, based on what he has done, that he'll be able to come in here and, and build this thing block by block. I mean, we, we all know Braves baseball has a great following. There's a lot of passion with the fan base of baseball. We won this thing in 2010. So we, we can we can do it. It's just a matter of coach coming in, hitting the ground running, and and making it happen. And I, I think he will just, just based on his background. Bill, you said a key word, Bill. They're going to build a program, and it, and it takes some time. So I want the Alcorn uh, Braves Nation to, to, to have some patience. Um, but a great baseball history. You know, Rat McGowan. Uh, boy, you know, and, and, and I miss Rat. And, and, and we, last time we talked, it really wasn't about baseball. He, he was getting on my case about uh, he thought Southern maybe, you know, we're moving in the wrong direction as far as the football program. And um, I, I just listened to him yeah, out of respect. And um, at the end of the day, I said, well, I'll slightly agree to disagree. And he just laughed. But um, baseball program at Alcorn State, look forward to, to, to be better. And um, again, from my perspective on paper, it looks to be a, uh, an outstanding hire. Now, as you can see, Charles is in the press box. He's getting ready for a scrimmage for Alcorn State. Charles, um, an update going into this, I guess, last scrimmage, major scrimmage of Alcorn State's fall camp. How's, how's, how's the fall camp been going for the Alcorn State Braves? Well, I think, you know, for, for the Braves right now, it's just, you know, just fine-tuning at this point. Um, I think coming out of this scrimmage here, uh, I think we'll know that one of the biggest questions is who's, who's the backup quarterback going to be. Um, the coaches have a good idea, but they just want to look at this scrimmage to kind of be the final piece of the puzzle, just, just to say, hey, this is the guy, or it's actually one of two guys that are competing for the backup. They kind of have an idea of who it is, but they want to let this scrimmage play out and then make, make the final decision. Um, that that's one of the biggest storylines coming in. We've been a little banged, a little nicked up on the defensive end. Um, I do have our two deep on the uh, offensive side of the ball, so I, I think that's you know that's one of the biggest you know biggest issues coming into this season. Who's the backup going to be? Um, there's going to be some other changes as well in terms of maybe one of our quarterbacks moving to receiver. That that is that's out there as well. So. You know, some moving pieces on offense. I think we're a little nicked up on defense. And so I think you just want to just see the guys fly around out there as, as best as they can. You know, week zero, seven days away, give fans an opportunity to see, you know, what this team is all about. And so, you know, it's 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 a good crowd out here today. Uh, the very first play of the scrimmage, uh, the defense jumped off sides. I know Cedric Thornton didn't, doesn't like that. I mean, that's first and five. So you've already – 
you, you probably put your defense in, in, in a hole. But, you know, the guys are getting their lather in, and this is kind of the final tune-up. Mentioned about battles for 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 backup positions, and I think that's one of the things you you look at. I think coaches, and you you, you tell me if I'm wrong, Charles. Or you agree to disagree or disagree? Those battles for the number two backup position or number two, they're so important because you're one injury away uh, from a becoming a starter. Does Coach McNair and staff pretty much have decided on? The backups, are there still battles going on or is it already decided? Um, in my opinion, based on the people that I've talked to, the decision for the backup has already been made. I think they're making sure that it is the right decision. Um, you know, you want to look at this scrimmage just to, to put the final nail in it, to say, yeah, this is, this is the guy. Um, so I, that, what, based on what I've been told, that decision has already been made. But you want to leave the door open for some competition to see. And look, I mean, two years ago, we had Noah Johnson as our starting quarterback. And you saw what happened against McNeese. Noah Johnson gets hurt. Felix Harper comes in, almost leads us to victory against McNeese. And you know the story from there. Big wins over AM, big win over Prairie View, two big wins to help us win the Eastern Division. So, yeah, you're one play away. And right now, I mean, we had five quarterbacks going into camp. So, you know, that you had to let that play out a little bit. The number two was not decided, you know, coming out of the spring or even in the early part of camp, but it will be decided at the end of the scrimmage today. So it's it's important to get the twos. It's important to find out who that is. And I'm I'm gonna say probably 95% of the twos have already been decided, but you just want to make sure as we have a touchdown pass right here just a moment ago. Um, and the offense looks pretty good, by the way, in this in this particular scrimmage, this last scrimmage. But I, I think right now, uh, I think the backups have been pretty much decided. There may be one or two positions you might have questions on, but I think this roster is pretty much set right now. Charles, you think there's an opportunity maybe in this scrimmage for somebody to say, hey, coach, I'm excited. I'm doing well in this scrimmage, and we'll, we'll see what happens after the scrimmage that, hey, the coaching staff may say, you know, our number twos are, are pretty settled, but someone stood out in this last scrimmage, and now maybe they'll get an opportunity, if they can, to, to play. And then two, second part, I would like to know, you know, last time we talked, we talked about both Alcorn State and FAMU, North Carolina Central, not playing against someone else for almost two years. Is there still a concern about being rusty or the coaching staff believes that that will take care of itself as they get into uh, uh, the game against North Carolina Central? I think I think the first part of the question, I think the guys, the backups kind of know their roles. I, again, I, I do think that for the most part, the twos have been established. You know, you, you may move up from a two to one and a half. You know, you could definitely solidify yourself as a two, or if you don't have a good scrimmage today, you might slide a little bit. So I, I think there's an opportunity. You know, in football, we know you're just one play away from, from a two to a one. And, and if you stand out and, and do well, like a Felix Harper, for example. Um, but I, I do think, though, to the second part of your question, uh, I, I think that the coaches are doing a great job of making sure that this team isn't too amped up 
I mean, you, you look at rust rest, you know, the coaches were concerned about this team being a little too, 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 too energized. I mean, which is a good thing, but you don't want to overdo it because you hadn't played. And based on what I've seen in practice, based on just, just the way this team is handling their business, you don't see that. I think they're, that I think by us not playing football in the spring, by us having spring practice, I think it settled this team down a lot. And yeah, there is that natural excitement to get out of here. But I think you, you know it's a business-like mentality. You know it's going to take some time. And I'm just one of those, you know, I, I, I want to see the Braves do well, of course, but I'm also a little realistic. There is going to be a little bit of rust. There, I mean, there's, there's just, you, you can't replicate this stuff, you know, uh, in practice. So there's going to be a little bit of rust. There's no question about that. Just like with Central, there's going to be some rust. There's no question about it. But it, the, the thing is, how quickly do you shake that off and you get into your stuff? And I think for the Braves offense, I don't think it's going to take long. I think the question is, you know, what less losing Cole on the back end of the defense, will the defense be able to adjust a little bit? So, I, you know, to your point, I think that this team is ready. I think they haven't been too high or too low. I just think we need to be realistic and understand they had played in almost two years and just just take it just take it one breath at a time. I think this team will be fine, and I think Fred McNair, there's no – there's no panic on him. I can tell you that just being around him. He's just going about his business and he understands it'll take a little time and he feels like his team will get there. I'm busy with Charles Edmund of the Alcorn State Radio Network discussing Alcorn State's uh, final scrimmage and they're getting ready to wrap up uh, fall camp and starting Monday's game week uh, for Alcorn State uh, Braves. Charles? The Fred McNair Show debuts Monday, 6 p.m., correct? Monday at 6 o'clock. It'll be on, our, on the Braves Sports uh, Network, and it will be streamed um, on the Black College Sports Network on my Facebook page, and it'll be something new, Carlos, and I thank you for it uh, because you, you helped push me into the whole into the age of, of the video streaming. It's, you know, I'm, I'm an audio guy. I can plug connectors, XLR cables and all that stuff, <laughs> but I'm, I'm absolutely no good with a camera in my hand. I don't know anything about video. And that's why my good friend Cedric Tillman is going to be behind the scenes producing the video aspect of it. Nice graphics. He's shown me some of that stuff. I leave that up to him. I'll let him figure that part out. And, you know, it, it'll be, it'll be fun. You know, we'll be in studio. We'll, we won't be on location as we've been the last couple of years, just due to COVID-19. Um, I've been asked about having it at a, at a restaurant or a location. We're not going to do that this go around, especially now uh, with what's going on with this variant. We will be socially distant and uh, people will get a chance to watch it, call in, uh, text questions, tweet questions. And, and we'll have some interviews and we'll talk with Felix Harper and some other interviews that we'll have. And we'll also talk with the North Carolina Central's coach. He'll join us to talk about his team and what to expect from Alcorn, and of course, Fred McNair will talk about what to expect from uh, Central, which I think will be a will be a good Week Zero game. So we're looking forward to it. Looking forward to checking it out, and I hope everybody will. Appreciate that information, Charles and Coach Trey. Why do I know that guy? I've seen his defense, defensive coordinator, Southern University, so he's familiar with the Southwestern Athletic Conference and Alcorn State. So that should be very interesting. Make sure you tune in uh, for the Fred McNair show starting Monday at 6 p.m. Brave Sports Network on Black College Sports Network. 
Now, with that being said, Charles, and I, I don't want you to give out too much of your information because you want to save it for the Fred McNair show, but just a quick look at North Carolina Central. Of course, they have not played in almost two years as well. But uh, from all accounts, Coach Oliver believes that this offense has a chance to be very special this year. But first up, North uh, Alcorn State Brave. So offensively, they believe that they, they could be special. Have you got a chance to kind of look over some of the uh, attributes of, of North Carolina Central? Yes, I have. Um, you know, they lost a lot on defense. And just, you know, I kind of started digging into it yesterday. And, uh, you know, they finished four and eight uh, a couple years ago, three and five in the conference. It was the first time they failed to win five games overall since their first season in the MEAC in 2011. So they, they had a bunch of losses on defense, especially on that back end and up front that that uh, that can be concerning and the Braves can take advantage of. Offensively, uh, they're a team that doesn't score a lot of points, but they've got a running back that's that's pretty special. We had, I think, three rushing touchdowns last year. They're going to try to pound the rock and try to slow the game down. They have a quarterback that's a veteran, uh, veteran back there, so we're going to have to deal with that. So you, you talked about it. Coach Oliver is a defensive-minded coach, and he feels like if he can keep the Braves' offense off the field, chew up clock, run the football, and limit Alcorn's possessions, he feels like his team has a chance. I think for me, the Braves are going to have to start fast. And I know that's hard to say considering you hadn't played in a couple of years. A&T, uh, sorry, Central, I hadn't played in that long either. But I think if the Braves, you know, get off to a quick start, put two or three touchdowns up, I, I think that will be a, a formula for winning this football game. But if they let Central hang around, let them get confident, then uh, it, it, could be, it could be dicey in Atlanta. So I'm looking forward to it. I mean, we hadn't played in two years. Central hasn't either. It'll be a, a fun week zero game. I like Alcorn. I'm just going to tell you this now, and I'll tell you again next, next week. I, I, I still believe Alcorn's a very physical team, the physicality they will be. Um, I like Alcorn. You ready for this, Charles? 10 plus points. 10 plus points. Alcorn State. I got them winning uh, this, this ball game. Uh, next Saturday. So looking forward to it. Uh, Charles, it's been a pleasure having you on. I know now you're still going to be going back to work, looking at that scrimmage. And uh, I have some eyes there in the stadium as well. You know, uh, some people accuse me of uh, being obsessed with all court state. I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder why. And also, quickly, quickly a, a, a report of from uh, Mr. Skelton, I'm going to have to eat crow. I mean, this guy has so far, I, I know he's Ladarius Skelton, but he doesn't look the same. He has had a tremendous fall camp. So I know that's going to make you happy. One of the biggest fans of Ladarius Skelton, Charles Evans, he's a big fan of Skelton. I, 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 I'll just say this. And, you know, in the spring, I got a chance to stand on the mountaintop and look down on all these other games. And I've said this to you and to everyone, Skelton is the right guy for this offense. Yes, he has made some very, very unfortunate mistakes. But when he's on, when, the, when, he's, got, when he's got those feet going, when, you, when you've been able to, to, to stop the pass and you've been able to, you know, he's been able to make it happen. And I just think that he's the right guy for this offense. And, look, I mean, McDaniel and the other guys, you know, they're okay. But Skelton, 
when he's on, when he's right, Southern's a pretty good football team because you have to account for him on every play. And if, if he, as they say, if he, if, if he gets his mind right, Southern's going to be a very dangerous offense. And it looks like, based on reports, that he's doing that in the fall. But we'll see as they open up with Troy coming up. Yeah. Decision-making, ball security, and attitude. Boy, going to work with the Seattle Seahawks quarterback coach and his last hurrah. This guy so far has just been totally different. But we shall see. Troy State is going to be tough. Miles College and then McNeese. I'm pointing to that McNeese game. That game will show me, give me a clear picture of what I need to know. Charles, have a great weekend. Be safe, and uh, we'll talk again real soon. Have fun out there, Carlos. Appreciate it. All right. That was Charles Edmund of the Allcorn State Radio Network. I'm going to take a quick timeout. When I return, I'll visit with Willow Brown, Associate Athletic Director of Fort Valley State. I want to pick his brain on several topics. I like doing that. So, Willow Brown's coming up next. You're watching the Carlos Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. Football bands and one of the best fan experiences in the country. The Cricket BX Swack Challenge kickoff returns to Atlanta on August 28th along with special guests. College game day. Then Alcorn State takes on North Carolina Central with conference bragging rights on the line. Center Park Stadium is the place to be on August 28th. Come tailgate all day before enjoying a primetime matchup on the gridiron. You don't want to miss this. Check out MeaxWackChallenge.com for more information. This is the BCSN Pod Zone, your place for the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Here are the BCSN Sports Wrap, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Knights of the Roundtable, The Pregame Show, The Carlos Brown Show, The ONG Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way you consume HBCU sports one broadcast at a time. Yes, that sound means it's time once again for the 36th annual Labor Day Classic. Featuring the Preview A&M Panthers versus your Texas Southern Tigers for the Battle of the Lone Star State on Saturday, September 4th. Kickoff, 7 p.m. at BBBA Stadium. Don't forget the halftime battle of the band as the TSU Ocean of Soul take on the PVAMU Marching Storm. Tickets are available online at www.tsusports.com slash LDC tickets. Let's bring the Nick's Durley Traveling Trophy back to its rightful home. the show where we take you inside the game before the game begins. It's, it's the, the pregame. pregame. With your host, Charles Bishop and Neely. So get ready because we pregame harder than the other show's party. It's 
pregame. Support the Black College Sports Network so we can continue to provide you coverage. Go to myjbn.com slash support and be a part of the Black College Sports Football bands and one of the best fan experiences in the country. The Cricket BX Swag Challenge kickoff returns to Atlanta on August 20th. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Coles Brown Show. Watched exclusively right here on the Black College Sports Network. Guest number two is Willa Brown, Associate <laughs> Athletic Director at Fort Valley State. Willa, good morning to you, my man. Good morning, Carlos. Good morning, my friend. Long time no here and no see, but you're looking great. You're looking great, my man. I'm holding on for an old fella. I can't complain. Oh, <laughs> come on. Come on. You're all right. You're all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Fort Valley State Associate Athletic Director at Fort Valley State. Uh, Willa, how long have you been there now? It'll be three years, uh, the first week of next month. Wow, three yeah, years. Yeah, and uh, it does. It really does. Uh, didn't think that I would still be here, but I am. And, uh, you know, make, making the best of, of the way things turn out. Yes. That's that's what you have to do. Keep on pushing, keep on grinding, as they say. And, that's uh, right. that, and good things will always happen to you. Uh, F- Fort Valley State football right now um, picked up pretty high in the SIAC. And um, my understanding, uh, they're scrimmaging right now. Yes, we're we're in our second. We're having our second scrimmage today, and uh, you know we open up on September fifth against Tuskegee. And the uh, the, the uh, Tuskegee Airmen Classic in Montgomery, and so we're getting ready for that. That's going to be a big test for us. You know, we feel pretty good about where we are, and feel pretty good about the state of the program. You know, we hired a new coach uh, last year, Maurice Flowers, and uh, he's really done a lot of positive things in, in terms of helping to turn the culture around, things of that nature. Uh, this spring, you know, we played two games this, pla- this past spring and it allowed us to see some things and, you know, be able to make some, uh, some judgments. And uh, I feel really good about where we are. I feel really good about his uh, assistant coaches, you know, and uh, – I, I think we're a sleeping giant here at Fort Valley. You know, we're getting mm-hmm. some things done, Carlos, from a uh, facility point of view. Uh, we just got our track done, and uh, we're getting turf put down on the uh, on the stadium field. And uh, once that's complete, we'll probably have some of the best facilities in the SIAC. So mm-hmm. we're we're putting it putting it definitely putting it all together. And uh, hopefully uh, this year we can start to see the beginnings of, of something great. Yeah, that, that's, out, that's outstanding because facilities only help uh, build the culture. And, um, and, of course, Fort Valley State has, has a history. Will, if I ask you three, let's just say three years from now, where, where would you like to see not only uh, the football program, but where do you see the athletic program? three years from now? 
Well, I, I think we should be at the top of the SIEC, no doubt about that. You know, it's always a goal of mine wherever I've been is that all of our athletic programs perform in the upper third of the conference. And I, for, I firmly believe, Carlos, that there should not be a discussion about championships in any sport and Fort Valley State University not be included in that discussion. So we want to take advantage of any windows of opportunity that may present itself. You know, you, you, you're not necessarily going to be uh, the breadwinner year in and year out. Yeah, but you want to be in that upper third every year. And when you got that special group that comes along every now and then, uh, you want to be able to take advantage of that special group and, uh, and get it over the top. So that's, that's our goal on a, on a yearly basis. Well, you have not changed. Remember the discussions we had when you were at Jackson State? And, and I, I believe you thought I was pretty, pretty tough because – expectations. I always thought that you, you know, you compete for a championship every year. Now, reality says, Wheeler, that may not happen all the time, but what you just said of being in, in that third, being in the top for discussion, in play every year, you have been consistent and you still are consistent with that same uh, strategy. <laughs> you know, and that's what I've always, you and I have our discussions in terms of Southern. And, and that's, you know, that, that's always been the case. You know, since my time at Jackson State, I have not heard of any discussion of championships in the SWAC and Southern University's name did not come up in the discussion. You know, and as long as you're in the discussion, Carlos, you always got a fighting chance to maybe get over the top, you know, that special year or two. When, when every all the ducks line up in a row and, and everything's going your way, everything's flowing, and you, you can get over the hump every now and then. I, I guess I'm just an old toughie there, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to be re realistic. Um, but uh, point, point well taken. You're in discussion. You, you put yourself a chance, an opportunity to get those benchmarks and those goals. Hey, you gotta, you gotta do it. You gotta cash in. So, I guess second place is is, is okay some of the time. <laughs> it's okay sometimes, Carlos, and nobody should ever settle for second place. You know, don't don't get me wrong, but it should fuel you yeah. to make the corrections that you probably need to make, to make the changes that you probably need to make, to get you that much closer to getting over the top that following year. You know, what you don't want to do is continue to slide back. You know, you don't want to go from second to fourth or second to fifth. You know, you want to always be, like I said, in that discussion and that upper third, you know, of the conference that you're playing in. And as long as you can stay in that upper third, you know that you're doing the things necessary to keep your program right there at the top. I understand, Willer. Again, point well taken. A visit with Willa Brown, associate AD at Fort Valley State. Uh, he's always uh, been opinionated, and I've always, uh, I, I just always loved the, the conversations we've had over the years. And now I'm going to ask you to take off your Fort Valley State associate AD hat <laughs> and now put on black college sports hat. A, a, a fan of Alumnus of a black college 
And now we're going to talk about SWAC expansion. I'm sure you've been looking with your eyes at what has been going on in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. What, what, what are your thoughts of, of, of the Southwestern Athletic Conference and the expansion that has happened now with FAMU and Bethune-Cookman coming into the conference? Well, I think the SWAC has definitely taken advantage of the opportunities that have presented itself in terms of adding two quality institutions. No doubt about that. And, you know, the, the SWAC is really on an upward trajectory right now. And uh, hopefully they'll do the things that is necessary in order to stay there. But I will say this, Carlos, uh, nobody better sleep on Bethune. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a soothsayer or you know anything such as that, and you know I hear all the you know all the smack from you know Jackson State and FAMU and you know all all these others you know Alabama State and A and M naturally you know but folk better not sleep on Bethune. You know Bethune got a way of creeping up and biting you in the butt. You know right at the most inopportune time. So, but, you know, I'm really loving, you know, what, what the SWAC has and continues to become. And, uh, you know, hopefully they'll be able to take full advantage of the opportunities that presents themselves and continue to grow and be and become bigger and better than they are. Well, for the record, and it's on record, I, I have Bethune-Cookman, and I'll use that term sleeper. You know, football-wise, athletic program, they basketball, baseball, not only football. They they have mm-hmm. really d- done done well, and uh, from uh, from a football standpoint, the physicality. They're very physical. I remember watching them against Jackson State in the SWAC MEAC Challenge a few years back. So I I, I would agree with you. Um, they're they're my sleeper, and very well if things fall a certain way. Mm-hmm. They, they they'll have that opportunity. You know, yeah, to, they can go any way, no doubt. Speaking of Bethune-Cookman and being a former member of the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference, what do you think the future holds for the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference going forward? Well, I, I think there are a couple of directions that maybe they might look to go in. Uh, you know, number one, they really have to increase the membership. There's no doubt about that. You know, so the, the question is, who do you go after? Who can you entice? Who can you convince uh, that the MEAC is the way to go that is currently on the FCS level? Yeah, and, and I think you pretty much got to start there. And I say that, Carlos, because the fees that are associated with moving from Division Two to Division One are just astronomical. And, you know, if the MEAC doesn't have the funding in place to help some of these D2s that they may want to transfer over to D1 to help them make that jump, I don't see a D2 right now in the MEAC footprint that financially is ready to take that jump. You know, I hear folk talk about Bowie State and I hear them talk about Virginia State, that sort of thing. But, you know, when you look 
at their particular budgets, Carlos, you know, which is probably around $5 million or so, you know, pretty much the same budget that Savannah State came into the MEAC with and uh, could not increase it over the years. And you see what happened to them. You also see what happened to Winston-Salem State. You know, so, I mean, if you are not totally prepared to take that jump, you know, moving from D2 to D1 ain't, ain't for everybody. And, uh, you know, if you don't have that plan in place and, you know, you don't have the wherewithal to be able to incre- not only increase that budget on a yearly basis, but sustain it, you know, then it's, it's going to be some problems. When you, when you look at infrastructure-wise, uh, in terms of the number of administrators that you're going to have to add, you know, to your program, in terms of the number of scholarships that you're going to have to add to your program, in terms of the, you know, travel expenses and and all the things of that nature, you know, you can talk about playing guaranteed games until the the cows come home. You know, it's just not enough money out there on a yearly basis if that's all that you're depending on in order to maintain your division one status it's, it's just not there so with, without a you know in-depth game plan you know with, without structure things of that nature it's going to be pretty much impossible i don't see many if any d2s on the horizon in the MIAC footprint that will be able to to take that leap anytime soon so Wheeler, if you were consulting the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference for a round, it's best to try to what you have and then narrow it down to trying to bring in at least what two more institutions, but you know, that's, basically you know, that's it, that's that's how I would look, Carlos. And you know, and, and with the MEAC being where it is. You know, it's probably going to mean that, you know, you're going to look at trying to entice a PWI or two into your conference. And, you know, we all know how difficult that is going to be in and of itself, you know, because they're going to ask themselves, but what's the value of us moving to, you know, an, an all HBCU conference? What's going to be the value? Will, are you there? Well, what we will do, we'll, we'll see if we can come back in. If not, we'll take, well, we'll, we'll, we'll take a timeout. That's what we'll do. Quick timeout. You're watching the Coles Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. I'll be right back. Southern University System President Dr. Ray Belton, Southern University Board Chairman Des Moines Rutledge, along with the Southern University Board of Supervisors and Athletic Director Roman Banks, are proud to announce that the field where the Jaguars roam will now be called the Pete Richardson Field at A.W. Mumford Stadium. Congratulations, Coach Pete, from the entire Southern University family for a job well done. Go Jags!
The inaugural Boeing Red Tails Classic is personal to me. It's more than a matchup between Tuskegee University and Fort Valley State University. My beloved father, Colonel Lawrence E. Roberts, was a proud member of the Tuskegee Airmen. 922 brave pilots, also known as the Red Tails, fought in World War II. The Boeing Red Tails Classic is more than a celebration of HBCUs. It's a reminder of the Tuskegee Airmen's valor and sacrifice. The first class of black fighter pilots who trained at Tuskegee Institute in Alabama during the height of Jim Crow, fighting for America, while in many ways, America fought right back against them. This inaugural Boeing Red Tails Classic, this football game, is for them. And it's quite special that this game, which will be played at the Crampton Bowl in Montgomery, Alabama, opens the 2021 college football season on Sunday, September 5th at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPNU. When you watch this game, please remember its larger meaning, that it's for a group who advocated for themselves while still facing prejudice and discrimination in the segregated army. The Tuskegee Airmen story hardly gets told enough. I, proud daughter of a Tuskegee Airman, joined others who championed their legacy and how they influenced generations of black cultural and political leaders. We don't just die. Ain't no ever words on my schedule. 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 Just saying, just saying. We're going to let you have the last word uh, in terms of uh, Alabama A&M playing. But anything that you can share with the viewers, any last thoughts you want to share? Did I want to share? Yeah. Oh, go, go Bulldogs! Hey, baby, y'all tune in ESPN this week, and uh, we're gonna try to we're gonna try to make you proud and uh, give you a good show, offensive, defensive, special teams, and uh, represent the way the Bulldogs represent. Don't worry, it's all a part of the game. Tune in every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern for Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Course lecture dismissed. The HBCU football experience is back in Atlanta on August 28th. College game day, the Coca-Cola fan experience, the battle of the bands. The Cricket Miak Swag Challenge will have it all. Visit MiakSwagChallenge.com for more information. Your ad could be ran here. MyJBN.com backslash support. MyJBN.com backslash support for more information. Texas Southern takes on Prairie View A&M for the Nick Durley Traveling Trophy and the Labor Day Classic on September 4th. Tickets available online at tsusports.com slash LBC tickets. Let's get back to strolling instead of scrolling. Before we can safely come together, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your fam. The inaugural Boeing Red Tails. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Coles Brown Show. Watched exclusively 
right here on the Black College Sports Network. Want to thank uh, Willa Brown, Social Athletic Director at Fort Valley State, for coming on uh, the Carlos Brown Show. I appreciated the dialogue with them. And, and Willa is always opinionated and outspoken. That I love about him. We'll get him back on uh, real soon. Now you'll see up and at him is Brandon B.J. Jones of the B.J. Jones Show coming to the Black College Sports Network. I'll check in with him. And then also I'm going to interact with A.D. I see your messages that you were talking about. I'm here, fellas. What's going on? Okay, there we go. A.D., good morning to you, sir. It, well, it's good morning here. A good afternoon to uh, for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> how, how, how about... Um, some of our interaction with some of our uh, listeners, watchers. First of all, shout out to uh, Chuck Hunt, uh, checking in with us from Monroe, Louisiana. Derek Qual says, good morning. Let's say a week away from kicking off the season, from, from Alcorn kicking off the season. Uh, Feel the brave is what he says. Gerald Je- Franklin is uh, checking in. Jabir L. Scott uh, told Chuck, uh, Chuck Charles Edmund, good morning. And so we've got a lot of comments. Michael Cavalier is checking in with us this morning. Chris Montgomery, Tony Franklin, Jabir Scott, Edwin Smith, Willard B. Sims. So we've got a whole host of people out there listening. But the one comment that I wanted to bring out was uh, Chuck Hunt replied to the promo that we ran before the show about North Carolina A&T, the greatest homecoming on earth, and the fact that they're playing Bonmouth for homecoming. And on a previous edition of the BCSN Sports Wrap, just spontaneous, I said, hey, Monmouth, please leave your band at home. <laughs> Save the embarrassment. Leave the band at home. <laughs> and of course, uh, I had to throw in my two cents and say, no one wants to hear Flight of the Bumblebee for homecoming. So uh, oh, just go watch but, the promo. It, it, it's a hilarious promo. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm about to check it out. Flight of the Bumblebee. Unbelievable. BJ, I don't know. I don't know if you can say anything else about that one. Mm. No, nah, no. Nah, that's, that's, not, that's not my field of expertise right there. <laughs> <laughs> Football, band, I've done a little bit of everything. I know you got to entertain. There's a a battle going on on the field, but there's also a battle going on in the stands. Yes. It's wartime, as Southern University's former band director would say. It's wartime. (laughs) And and speaking of wartime, I'll visit that with Brandon B.J. Jones. And B.J., for most institutions, all corn, we got to Quick report from Charles Edmund. They're scrimmaging Southern University as we speak, are speaking. They're scrimmaging. You played at Southern University. You know this last important scrimmage before game week coming up. Give us your insight, your perspective on where the players are at as far as that last major scrimmage of fall camp. Mentally, uh, you want to make sure that you're locked in. Uh, this is a scrimmage where you want to get everything running close to 100%. Um, you want to be, you know, tip-top with everything. Uh, 
uh, your assignments, um, if you're a linebacker, your drops, your reads, um, if you're your secondary, uh, being tight in our coverage, uh, making sure that everyone where that was is where they're supposed to be uh, for the offensive line, really clicking and learning together. Uh, this is where you really want to see that cohesiveness uh, really start to take part and really be able to show that uh, because this is the last one before everything is live. And, and one thing about uh, college football, there is no preseason. Uh, you know, there, there, there's no that. So, uh, you know, the next time you get a chance to do it, man, it, it starts to count uh, and, and and determines if, if your your season is a uh, success or not. So uh, this is the one that you take really, 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 really serious. And speaking of seriously, okay, the NFL now, they've cut their preseason schedule down, correct? High schools, you know, in, in Louisiana, I can speak on that. They have a, they had a scrimmage um, last night. Then they have a jamboree, so it's kind of a, a rehearsal. Why doesn't college? Have you ever thought about that? Like, couldn't they get at least one pre preseason game, or is that just just way off base? They'll, you'll you could never see that happening, BJ. I don't know. We we've seen fam. You do it here recently uh, with uh, West West Florida University of West Florida and. Um, you know, just kind of like a joint practice uh, type of deal. I know the players like it because, you know, it gives you opportunity to compete against someone else other than your teammates. This is the thing about, about practice. Once you've seen the same plays, you can know the formation. You know when this guy goes in motion and this happens, this is coming. So you can just kind of cheat a little bit, you know what I mean? So you can make a spectacular play because you knew the play, what the play that was coming. Um, and realistically you're not getting any better uh when you do that uh that takes that away if you bring in another team you know i would love to see like at the nfl level joint practices uh i doubt if you'll see scrimmages on the college level uh coaches are real close you know close to the vest of college about what to show and what not to show uh and so forth but you know at least get some um uh, some joint practices or something of that nature especially when you have uh, two teams are close like a LSU, Southern, Florida State, FAMU, uh, Tennessee State, Middle Tennessee State, Vanderbilt. Uh, you know, schools are right there close to each other. So, no, you don't see a preseason game oh, no. against against another opponent. Well, nah. would, to me, that would be neat, though. Yeah. But, but I, I could settle for joint practices. Yeah. yeah. And I still think you'll be basic. You won't show a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to throw that out. I've always wondered why everyone else has, a, you know, a, a rehearsal until the the, the the beginning of the season. So I just threw that one out. We'll put that uh, in the category of no, that won't ever happen anytime, <laughs> anytime soon. But also anytime soon, future MEAC SWAC challenges schedule. I know you saw the information that came out from John Grant. Um, Going to be some interesting battles coming up in the next few years. And one team, Southern, has kind of committed to 2025, but we don't know the opponent yet. I got one in mind. But uh, talk about that, BJ. Oh, man, it was nice to see the matchups. Uh, you know, John Grant dropped that with uh, Keisha Kelly the other night. And, man, if you look at the matchups from uh, fan support and, and interest, it's perfect for the Atlanta area. Uh, each of the games – 
features teams that has big alumni bases in the Atlanta area, uh, whether you have this year with, with, with Alcorn and North Carolina Central, uh, next year with Alabama State, with them being so close to Atlanta to the Atlanta area, literally two hours down 85, uh, and they have a host of Hornets here in the Atlanta metro area. Uh, and, and then right after that, Florida A&M, you talk about a big alumni base, uh, you know, FAMU, one of the biggest, you know, and have them, uh, it, 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 I, I love the matchups. They're, they're intriguing. Um, and I think that it was a, it's going to be overall a good look for both conferences. I, I would agree. And uh, just remembering FAMU and Southern playing in the Atlanta Classic um, years past, they, they've, had, they've had some great matchups. Um, as far as Southern University, put your thinking hat on. Okay. The MEAC has limited members. Who could you see Southern University in 2025 tangling with out of the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference? Howard. Hmm. I didn't think about Howard, but I know they're, they're going to be participating recently. I thought about another team, but that's intriguing, BJ. Oh, no. It's, some, it's some history. You think about Norfolk or South Carolina State? Well, actually, no. Norfolk State, what's it, 2024, right? So mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't think they're going to come back the next year. It, it's just that one team that I, I don't believe they've ever participated in, Morgan State. Morgan State. Morgan State. Yeah. But now, I could be totally wrong. I, I could see the Howard. There's some history there. I, I remember the, in the Heritage Bowl. Wow. What a disappointment. Yeah, <laughs> Ted White from Glen Oaks and Baton Rouge and yeah. Howard. Yeah, Marcus Jacoby, um, Southern and South Carolina State, BJ, a lot of history, boy, a lot of history playing. Um, Swag Mag Challenge on a Sunday in Baton Rouge. So, uh, yeah, I, I just came up with Marcus State, but it, it, it's, it's going to be one of the teams. I wouldn't mind saying Howard. I, I don't think Howard yeah. has played in the Mag Swag Challenge yet, neither has Morgan. Um, and I, I know if you're a Southern fan, that last time that we saw Howard didn't go um, the way that, you know, Jaguar people yeah. would want it to go. And Howard people reminds, remind us of that still to this day. It, that game has been, you know, 20 years ago, and we still get reminded, you know, of that game. Um, so, yes, you know, for me, personal reasons, I would like to be Howard. I would like to finally, you know, kind of put the zips on that one. I think you kind of convinced me I can see that point now. But, <laughs> but, but we know in 2025, they're, they're, they're going to be there. And, you know, before North Carolina A&T left the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference, there was a conversation. And I talked to Dr. Scott, um, kind of some in, in, informal, you know, off-the-record discussions. That would have been an excellent matchup as as well. But uh, Norfolk State and FAMU is definitely going to be a good matchup. So um, I asked my last guest, Willa Brown, about the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference. Uh, BJ, I think it's just right now it's best for them to try to keep what they have and make that more attractive because it's going to be tough bringing in someone else. you got to be the right fit from a financial standpoint. If someone from Division Two is moving up, it's going to cost them quite a bit of money to join. So where where, where do you see the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference in, in the future? For right now, do they need to just concentrate on trying to keep what they have and, and strengthening that? 
strengthen what you have right now, uh, which will make yourself more attractive uh, to potential suitors. Uh, one of the teams that I, that I thought about was Presbyterian right there in South Carolina. Not an HBCU, but an FCS school uh, that's transitioning uh, to the Pioneer Conference. The problem with the Pioneer Conference is that that schedule footprint is literally from coast to coast. It's non-scholarship football. Um, you eliminate their travel overnight by, you know, by inviting them. They don't have to go to San Diego and Dayton, Ohio, and uh, down to Deland, Florida, and some of these other places that they have to go. Uh, and I will also kind of keep an eye on Virginia State because uh, I know there has been some rumblings about Virginia State uh, potentially wanting to make that move. Um, I would kind of keep an eye out on them. But before you think about that, you got to appease the, the people that you do have uh, and, 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 and make them happy. Uh, and once you do that, uh, it, it's more it's easier to entice some other people to come on in. Speaking of enticement, or enticing. Now I'm going to switch gears and I'm going to go back to last week. Um, institutions had major scrimmages. I point to Southern University and Ladarius Skelton. And so far, by all accounts, what a difference that we see in, in Ladarius Skelton. Here's what I thought he needed to work on decision making ball security, and actually attitude. We saw a couple of times that he, he, he let his emotions get the best of him in the SWAC, uh, 2019 SWAC football championship. But now, BJ, I don't know what you've been able to uh, gather, but from all of my sources and all accounts, this guy is not the same guy. Even yeah. from making every pass, and, and, and in the scrimmage last week, you couldn't run. They had the red jerseys on. He was able to connect with Mr. Whitfield for 70 yards. And, and I, they didn't have official stats, but I think it was something like five of six, five of seven, six of seven. The difference from what I'm hearing has been tremendous. Yes. Um, hearing the same thing, that you know, he doesn't look like the same player. Uh, his decision-making, his placement of the football, um, because a lot of times it wasn't, you know, decision was there was placement of the football, you know, getting the ball on, on, on that outside shoulder, getting the ball away from the defensive back, um, getting the ball hitting the receiver in stride. Um, and he's doing those things uh, from all accounts. Uh, I, I would like to see uh, how has he improved in the past game, the deep outside of the numbers. Uh, how has, has he improved there? And also, what does he look like when the bullets are alive? Uh, because one thing about quarterbacks uh, is that they wear the red jersey. That no, no threat of, you know, getting knocked down or anything like that. Uh, things start to change once those bullets start flying. Uh, does he get happy feet or does he remain in the pocket? Uh, does, he, does he use his feet to open up the pass? You know, and, that, and that's going to be interesting because he was able to work out over the summer with uh, quarterback coach of the Seattle, Su Seattle Seahawks. I was about to say supersonic Seattle Seahawks and his presence going through his progressions. Cause you know, in the past BJ and you see if you agree or disagree, you know, when the play breaks down, 
he takes off. We know his physical attributes, but now being able to go to progression one, two, and then if something's not there, then you you can make something happen with your legs. But um, just the little things, intangibles. He, he he's done well so far. Yeah, and 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 one of the things that will make him dangerous if he was to use his his feet, keep his eyes down the field with his tendencies, and the defenders know this, he'll run. He's more apt to get defensive backs to come on up, leaving some people wide open. Keeps his eyes down the field. He has potential to make some huge plays. And you know who did that? God rest his soul. Terrence Levy. Yeah, and, and I can think of someone else. Aaron McNair. Yes, absolutely. And he was so dangerous because he was still looking down the field because you got to honor his physical talent. But, man, he didn't look to run first. He was still having his yep. eyes down the field. And uh, defense, you got to honor that physical talent. And when you come up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I would love to see him him do that. I think that will make him that much more dangerous um, as a quarterback. Well, the offense had the better of it in last Saturday's scrimmage. And from all accounts, the defense responded during practice. Talk a little bit about that. You played on the defensive side. If in if you have two scrimmages, major scrimmage, and one scrimmage, say the offense, they they got you. Mm-hmm. How do you respond from the coach's perspective, what they relate to the players? You want to see the defense respond today like the offense did last week. Absolutely. Uh, you know, our goal is to, as the defense to dominate. It doesn't matter who we're playing up against. They mean our own guys as well. Um, so anytime the offense got the best of you, you want to make sure that you responded, uh, correct the things that you needed to uh, correct, uh, but, but dominate. Um, and being dominant starts at, at practice. Um, it starts in the individual drills. It starts in the conditioning. It starts, you know, um, really when no one's watching uh, and really making sure that you're competitive. Did they get the best of us? Did we hang our heads or did we compete? And, and, and that's the biggest thing that you want to see uh, with these scrimmages. But, you know, our goal, to, you know, dog day defense, dominate anybody who came across us. This is with Brandon B.J. Jones of the B.J. Jones Show coming here on the Black College uh, Sports Network. So after the scrimmage, of course, Southern has fan day. Um, and also the, the volleyball team, the other follow sports teams will be there. Take us back. You were at that moment. So after you get through this last scrimmage, then in, in a little while, it'll be game week. Where where's the mindset then of the players? Because I would think some some point you you kind of hit, hit hit the wall, you know, those fall camps. And, and when you played, I'm sure, I, I think it was much tougher then <laughs> with was, fall camp. Sometimes three tougher. days. Yeah, yeah it, it, it was tougher. Uh, I tell you, it was the small things that got you excited. Uh, you know, school band, being back in was number one. Uh, these kids started school a little bit earlier than what we did. We we started a little bit later. Uh, but the small things, when school started, they get, got you a little pepped up. Uh, and when the decals went on the helmets, man, you would have thought that, you know, someone just won a million dollars. Because once the decals went on the helmets, they let you know that it was game time. Uh, you know, once those decals went on, you, you went excited. And then transitioning from camp 
to game prep. Now we are running up against the scout team and what our opponents are learning. Now what we learn in camp, we're keying in. This is what we're doing this week. This is what we're done and doing this week. This is the wrinkle that we're adding. These are the players and the plays that we're keying on. Um, and it, you're just excited because the whole spring, the whole summer has just been you against you. But now to actually be able to prepare for someone, oh, man, it, it, oh, man, it's exciting. Speaking of exciting, have, have you got a chance to see your alma mater's uh, new uniforms? They, 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 they have some nice gray. And, and maybe next week I'll get a chance to get AD to put them up. But um, a lot of fanfare, a lot of excitement about those new uh, those, those new gray uniforms for Southern University. I'll call them that way, BJ Gray, with the Columbia blue and Canary gold. Yeah, I, I mean, I like them. And I've always been of – I like that the stripes are back on the sleeves. I, I felt like since we added the stripes to the sleeves uh, back in 2000, uh, really – 2003, end of 2003, I felt like those stripes on the sleeves have been the staple. I felt like they should always be there. So I wouldn't mind seeing us have the blue, Columbia blue, the white, uh, and the gold with the stripes on the sleeves. Um, you know, there's stripes, uh, the striped sleeves, uh, the stripe down the center of the helmet, man, that's, that's a classic look uh, that we had for a long time. Uh, so I was happy to see that. Um, I'm interested in seeing the gold lids when they finally come out. Uh, and and uh, <laughs> as uh, the gold britches, as the old school uh, people would say, I, I want to see the gold britches come back. We haven't worn the gold pants uh, since about 2008, 2009. Um, and that's a staple of Southern University. Um, if you go and look at our football program. Um, so I'm interested in seeing that those come back. But I know there are some things that are coming down the pipes and are coming, uh, you know, they'll, they'll be coming into fruition. And I'm just interested in, in, in seeing it. You know, I, I, I love our classic, you know, SU look. Uh, I don't mind modernize it, but uh, let, let's, let's stay true to who we are. You know, we ain't got to be Oregon. I think Nick Saban said the best. We don't worry about, you know, what uniforms going to roll out. Let's worry about the people we put in them. Um, so I'm kind of old school a little bit from that mentality. Old school, I think of Penn State never changes. Right, wow. Alabama. Yeah, Alabama. Yeah, that that, that that's another one. And, and um, even that Columbia blue. I, I, I'm trying to see. I can see an all gold with the new gold helmets that they're going to get and have on the all gold. Then I can see. I can even see. I guess I like flashy colors. I guess my better half <laughs> always tells me that. Um, that those Columbia blue helmets, Columbia blue. Shirts and Columbia blue pants. Would, would that be too much Columbia blue for you, BJ? <laughs> uh, I would like to see us settle on one helmet. Either go back to the golds or go back to the uh, the, the the whites. What mind see a sell a Columbia blue mock-up to kind of see what that'll look like. Uh, I like the golds, man. Add the stripes down the middle, um, and, and, and there you go. Uh, I actually saw someone do a mock-up of the helmets from the, I think it was the year two thousand. We had the gold helmets with the SU on the side, and they changed everything royal to Columbia, and that's the nicest helmet that I've seen. Uh, when you changed the royal to the Columbia, oh, man, that was that was just bad. And they really just took those uniforms uh, from that 99-2000, changed everything from royal to Columbia. Sweet. I mean, just sweet. Uh, that's the best uniform combination that I've seen. It, once I find it, I can get it to you, but 
bad uniform, better than anything I've seen. Well, you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, Jackson State. I saw it look like they came back with their traditional uh, helmets. Mm-hmm. Um, dark, dark. You know, if you're a traditionalist, that's what you're kind of accustomed to. Yeah. Um, you can modernize it a little bit. Um, I, I'm still trying to trying to live down that I believe helmet that we saw at Swag Football Media Day. Wow. <laughs> Wow, Charles Bishop and Neely, hey, you guys are bad. You guys are bad. That is a a helmet color I have to get used to. Then, of course, uh, uh, my family, family, that orange and green, BJ. Yeah. Somehow that really gets me to thinking. I'll put it that way. Tremendous array of colors. That's flashy as well to me. But it is interesting, BJ. Um, how they're going to be dressed on on game game one? Now this time next week, you'll be getting ready for the uh, week zero Swag Miac Challenge, Alcorn and North Carolina Central, and we're going to talk to you next week. But uh, a, a quick look at that game. What, what do you what are you expecting? Um, who is North Carolina Central? Uh, we saw them in two twenty nineteen. Uh, didn't have the best of seasons. Uh, but you know, it wasn't modern. It wasn't history that North, North Carolina Central was playing in the Celebration Bowl, and that high octane Grambling offense scored ten points against that Central team. And you look at uh, during those years the amount of players from that Central football team that matriculated the, the, their way to the National Football League. Uh, you you talk about that was some talent on those teams. Can North Carolina Central get back to that? How does Trey Oliver's uh, team look year two? And if you're all going with all that talent coming back, Charles Pringle, Felix Harper, uh, all those guys, what do they look like? Uh, I, I think that this could be a statement game for, for all corn. Uh, but I also think if Central keeps this thing close, uh, you might have some question marks uh, that people are going to have about the, the guys from Normandy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I said earlier in the show, and I'll still stand by it. And if I'm wrong, of course, I'll come back the week afterwards and, and tell you, boy, I was off. But I, I, from all accounts, North Carolina Center Coach Oliver stated that offensively he thinks this could be a juggernaut. Um, but I, I kind of like Alcorn State 10 plus. And some people say, wow, 10 plus? Both teams hadn't played against someone else in literally two years how quick the rust will come out. And, B.J., I'm really looking with Alcorn State in that Northwestern State game. I'm looking a little bit ahead. To me, that's a that's one benchmark game, just mm-hmm. like Southern and McNeese, a yeah. benchmark game. I think it will tell us – it'll let us know. We'll have a clearer picture of maybe where these – teams are. That's not to say that the first game is not important because it is. It's the first one on the schedule. Mm-hmm. But you want to get off to a good start. But uh, North Carolina Central and Alcorn State this time next week. It's game week for those guys, BJ. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah, I think in two weeks, man, we everyone gets kicked off, man. This, this thing is flying fast. Uh, I'm interested in, in watching that game. I'm interested in seeing the turnout that we have. Uh, not only for that game, but for game day. I think that this is a big opportunity for HBCUs 
uh, to really show that fan passion and excitement that we always talk about. We have an opportunity next week to show America uh, that. Uh, so this is a big opportunity. So I challenge our fans, man, be safe. Uh, wear your mask and go out there, man, and, and show the world uh, what we've been talking about. Yes, sir. And in prime time, although moving to week zero, you can kind prime of escape some of that heat yep. and humidity. Just think if that game was in Baton Rouge. Ooh, boy. 6 p.m., it's still humid. And but, you remember that first? You remember that uh, that BX Wack challenge against South Carolina State? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I thought about sitting outside, but no. Take advantage of my press credentials. I was in the press box. And <laughs> wow, Mr. Leonard, unbelievable. One yes. of the most dominating second halves that I've seen in AW month for stadium, and, and even on television, period. He's a real mm-hmm. deal. And, and by the way, a nice, new, huge contract. Yes, he sir. deserves it. Yes, deserves absolutely. It. Well, BJ, we'll talk with you next week. Until that time, as always, stay safe and uh, stay blessed. All right, man. Appreciate that, man. Looking forward to it, man. And uh, love, the, love the show, new platform, man. You just keep doing great things. Appreciate it. And um, we'll be seeing your show pretty soon. So congratulations on that as well. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. That was it. B.J. Jones of the B.J. Jones Show coming up on the Black Cow Sports Network. I'm going to take a time out. My next guest is ready on switch gears. And I'm going to talk with Rod Walker of the New Orleans Advocate, one of the coolest guys in journalism. He never gets excited. I'll see if I can get him excited. We'll be talking to some New Orleans Saints up next. You're watching. The Coles Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. Ladies and gentlemen, come on, it's showtime! Get ready for the Crackle Pepsi Zero Sugar, Sunday, August 29th, 4 o'clock, NRG Stadium in Houston, featuring the hottest HBCU marching bands, Southern University, Lexington University, Tennessee State, Northern State, North Carolina A&T State, Texas Southern, Bethune, Cookman, and Jackson State. Don't miss the battle on the field and the stands with scholarships. Over $500,000 in counting for our HBCUs. It's an HBCU experience you don't want to miss with a weekend of activities with, with the Cracker Barrel Step and Stroke. Pepsi Zero Sugar Emerging Experience. Esports, master class, and gaming tournament, and the free Pepsi Zero Sugar College and Health Fair. Tickets start at just $15. Get them right now at nationalbattleofthebands.com. It's the Cracker Barrel National Battle of Bands. Sunday, August 29th, NRG Stadium, Houston. Gates open up at 2.30. Also sponsored by Cricket and HEB. Nationalbattleofthebands.com. Get your tickets right now. Industry was hurting, but I didn't bandage the rope. Now I got too sick with it. Now we done found us. Here comes Monmouth. Now they come in at North Carolina A&T for homecoming. Advice to Monmouth for homecoming at A&T. Leave the band at home. You can get, just get the whole 20 minutes to A&T. With my powers and knocking the pitches down. Trying to teach you business first and put your pitches down. Yeah. Major. Um, can I get the now bar, please? One dollar. Have a good one. Got it. Hey, what's going on? Hey. Let me get a now bar. Sure. One dollar. Appreciate you. Got it. Three, five, two, six, 
Football bands and one of the best fan experiences in the country. The Cricket BX Swag Challenge kickoff returns to Atlanta on August 28th along with special guests. College game day. Then Alcorn State takes on North Carolina Central with conference bragging rights on the line. Center Park Stadium is the place to be on August 28th. Come tailgate all day before enjoying a primetime matchup on the gridiron. You don't want to miss this. Check out MeaxWackChallenge.com for more information. Let's get back to getting ticks instead of watching flicks. Before we can safely get out there, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your crew. Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at MyBCSN1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN1. Seconds. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Coles Brown Show. Watch exclusively right here on the Black College Sports Network. My next guest, wow, it's been a long time seeing him, Rod Walker of the New Orleans Advocate, NOLA.com. Rod, good morning to you. Good morning, man. It's good to be on here and, you know, do this thing face-to-face instead of just talking over the telephone. So I appreciate you uh, having me <laughs> yeah, on. I- always. Yes, sir. I, I, I appreciate it. And uh, we're going to talk some uh, New Orleans Saints. No uh, Pelicans this time, Rod, but we'll, we'll we'll get it in next time. Maybe maybe we'll be able to get it in. But um, New Orleans Saints, preseason opener, lost 17-14 to 14 to the Ravens. But, uh, Rod, I guess you can't really put too much stock into a preseason game, correct? Well, I don't think you put much stock into the – final score. I mean, you just kind of, you know, you're just trying to see what players can do what. Um, but, you know, you talk about the Ravens, I think, I can't remember the streak is like at 18. They won like 17 or 18 preseason games in a row, so they must yeah. be taking it serious to some. I mean, it's pretty incredible, actually. But uh, as far as the Saints, I mean, yeah, I don't think people should take, you know, too much stock into into what that final score was. You just, you know, evaluating players and seeing who can do what and see who can live up to the hype that, you know, we had some guys who were really good in practice and you know, maybe they weren't so good in the game. And you had the opposite guys that we didn't even talk about in practice. And all of a sudden in the game, you're like, well, okay, this guy's a little better than I may have thought. So, I mean, that's kind of what you see in these preseason games. I understand. It, what would be the positives that you took away from the preseason game? I think when you talk about the positives, you got to talk about the um, the defense. I mean, they gave up. But 17 points total, but they did that despite the offense turned the ball over six times. So, I mean, you've turned the ball over that many times, you expect the score to be a lot worse than it was. I thought the defense, uh, especially the linebackers, I think Zach Bond really stood out. And I think the interior of the defensive line, which I thought was going to be a concern this season because, you know, they lost so much with – you lost Sheldon Rankins and Malcolm Brown. And and those guys, you know, they held up pretty good on the inside of the defensive line. And the corners, Paulson Adebo is a – a rookie that they drafted, you know, he he played well. And, you know, um, he's, he's gotten better and better as camp's gone on. So I think there are a lot of positives, especially on the defensive side. And the offensive side, I mean, it's sort of hard to say because, 
you know, Teron didn't play and Ramchek didn't play. So, I mean, you know, you're not even playing with your full offensive line. And um, they obviously had some some rough moments with the six turnovers. Um, and it was like from everybody, three different guys fumbled the ball, Latavius, Devontae, and, uh, and Tony Jones, they all fumbled. And then all three quarterbacks that played through an interception. So um, definitely some stuff they need to clean up and you – I mean, even though it's preseason, you do want to see some ball security um, taken care of in this uh, next game coming up. Well, Ron, I'm going to get into the quarterback competition in a second. Um, did you see any disappointments? Or did the coaching staff talk about any disappointments besides the turnovers in the, in the ball game last week? Well, I think that was that was the big thing. I mean, I think they just they want to see them take care of the ball. I think everything else they were pretty pleased with it. I mean, I think I, I would say the same thing. I think everything else was, um, you know, pretty good. I mean, I think um, Lil Jordan Humphrey had a couple of drop passes that he dropped the first pass of the game from Taysom. And the, the interception that Jameis threw, I thought he could have caught that. I mean, I mean, Jameis admitted the throw was a little off, but I mean, it hit his hands. He could have caught it. And um, and actually Lil Jordan Humphrey, I mean, he's, he's actually struggled this entire week in practice, like catching the ball. It's really crazy to see how all of a sudden, he just all of a sudden can't catch the ball. I mean, it's been a rough week for him. Focus, you know, with, with, with those drops. But now, I guess still you probably get these this question the most, the quarterback competition, and it's it's not settled, right, Rod? But some, some would think that maybe it is and, and maybe – Coach Payton is knows who is going to be the starter, but he still wants to see the competition during fall camp. So where 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 are the Saints as far as the quarterback competition battle? In your humble opinion, I think if you watch these guys in practice every day, which I get a chance to do, I'm actually surprised at it. I mean, it, we're saying it's close, and it, I mean, just based on what you're seeing in practice, it is it's pretty close. I mean, they had, they both had their moments and it, it kind of goes down, but I think we all know that Jameis is probably, I mean, I, I do put Jameis slightly ahead. I do too. And I think the part of the problem is, I mean, we see these guys in practice, you know, they do, they go through the little drills and they're only getting like five passes, you know, so you, you're kind of like overanalyzing every little pass. So they're not really getting in a rhythm. It's just like not a whole lot of, not a, not a whole lot of time, I guess, you know, to watch them. It's a small sample size, I guess that's the best way to say it. So gotcha. um, that's the part of the problem. And I also think that most of us would have liked to seen because I think most people went into this camp thinking that Jameis was going to win this job. I know I did. And I still think he was going to win this job. And I think he's ahead of this job. But I did think that he would have separated himself. Like, I thought it would be like a, no doubt by now. Like, I thought he would have just pulled away. And I don't think he has. I don't think that's been enough quite enough consistency. And again, I think that goes back to we're seeing like five little throws at a time or like the other night. I mean, you know, those guys play one quarter a piece and sometimes you just don't really get a full evaluation, but I think Jameis has had a really, um, I think the practice on Friday night, they practice in the dome and Jameis had this 80 yard touchdown pass. And that's the kind of stuff that you kind of want to see from him. And also to Jameis's credit, you know, I think everybody talked about interception. They thought that was going to be his issue. Jameis has, going out of his way to make sure that that wasn't an issue this year. He is throwing the ball away. He's not forcing anything. I mean, he's thrown, he's thrown I think, the only three interceptions in the entire camp. 
And it's, it's because he hadn't been forcing things. I mean, he knows he's making better decisions. You know, a lot of times the fans will see a guy throw the ball away and read, but, you know, they just think it's a bad play. But, I mean, he's doing, he's making a smart football play, and that's something he's really focused on. And I think um, I think uh, when they play Monday night against the Jaguars, I think there's a chance for Jameis to really separate himself because, you know, Sean has already said he's going to be the starter. Um, Sean's also said that the um, – Guy, some of the guys who didn't play last week are going to play. He's not going to let Teron and Ramchick and them go the entire preseason without playing at least one game. And, you know, so I think if you, you get Jameis out there with a full offense, I think he'll get a chance to show what he can do. And to Jameis's credit, he's getting to go against Jacksonville instead of – he'll be in the first unit with against Jacksonville instead of with the second unit against Baltimore. So I think a lot of things are working in Jameis's favor, and, you know, he just has to take advantage of it. And too, Rod, I, I too thought it was Jameis Winston's job to to to, to win and the decision making. It sounds like you know, and he talked about that during the, the small downtown in the off season about what he learned from uh, Drew Brees. Just sometimes the, the little things, and and to me, I think that will be the advantage. Of course, because he's played in the NFL. I know people bring up the interceptions and what have you, but just that. It factor those are the intangibles. To me, Hill is still raw in that perspective. And, and again, when you get an opposing jersey against opposing defense, I think you have much more to have to game plan against Winston to me than Casey. Yeah, I mean, Jameis, I'm telling you, man, he makes some throws that are just <laughs> that there aren't a whole lot of people in the NFL can make. I mean, maybe you know Patrick Mahomes and you know some of them guys, but. I mean, he can he can sling it, man. So uh, that really helps him out. And then, uh, back to Taysom, though, I think a thing that Taysom has done in camp is, I think he tries to not take off and run all the time because first of all, they're not tackling in practice. So you know, he's just kind of staying in the pocket more, and he's also trying to you know dump it off to running backs more and do things that he wasn't good at. And I think that's helped him out some. And even yesterday in practice, I mean, he had some really nice runs where he was able to get outside the pocket and scrambling and make something out of nothing. And that, that, that helps him. But I think at the end of the day, I mean, if you let James quarterback and, and I don't know how Taysom's going to be, if they try to make him go back to being his Swiss army knife, as they say, uh, <laughs> I don't know how receptive he'll be to that now, because I mean, he's been in full quarterback mode this whole camp, but if he's willing to do that and James wins the job, I mean, I think this team is, that helps the offense access another weapon with Taysom. I mean, I mean, Tyson's a really good football player. I mean, he can do some things that really helps his offense. So, um, to me, the, the the Saints' offense is better if Jameis wins in position because I think it just adds another weapon that they can use with Tyson. Would agree. I'm busy with Rod Walker of the New Orleans Advocate here talking some uh, NFL preseason with New Orleans Saints. So, with that being said, Rod, any major camp battles remaining or – does the staff kind of know who the backups are going to be? No, I think there's some battles, man. It's interesting. One of the ones that's – I probably wouldn't have – you asked me this last week, I would have said running back is pretty settled. But, I mean, we know Alvin Kamara is going to be on this team. But I think when you, you look, you're looking at Latavius Murray, uh, Devontae Freeman, and Tony Jones had a really good game last week other than that fumble. I mean, oh, you, yeah. take that, you take that fumble out and, he, you know, we're really talking about Tony Jones. But – um, I don't know if they keep I – mean, we know they're keeping Kamara, but I don't think they're keeping all three of those guys. And so I don't know what that 
I have a roster projection that's coming out tomorrow, and I, I give you the inside scoop. But I did have I had Latavius and, La, and Tony Jones. And I didn't have Devontae Freeman, but when you look at these reps in practice, I mean Latavius isn't getting a lot of reps sometimes. And I'm wondering like what the deal is with that. And uh, I don't know. If Sean's just sort of. I mean, you know, Latavius is what. 31 maybe I can't remember how old he is but anyway he's you know maybe Sean's just wrestling and you know running backs you try to save as much you can and I think Latavius is a really good back who really helps his off- offense so um, I had Devontae as my odd man out because they're not gonna keep mm-hmm. all of those guys so uh, it's a tough tough decision I think um, I think the receivers are gonna be tough uh, we had um, we know Marquez Callaway and Deontay Harris are gonna be on this team for sure um, Lil Jordan Humphrey, man, I, I had him on my roster the last time I did a projection, but man, the, the the drops this week were pretty glaring, man. I mean, he was just not catching balls, and I don't know if it was a mental thing or lack of focus or what, but he's really struggled. You know, he brought in um, Kevin White this week, who was a number seven overall draft pick back in 2015, and he was um, he's a guy that's just struggled with injuries. I mean, he couldn't stop staying hurt, but he's looked really good in his first. Um, I guess he's been in practice three days now. I got him on my roster now. I mean, he's – I think he can really add something to this offense. And, um, you know, if Traquan came back from his from an injury and then he's, he was back out again, he's just kind of been back and forth throughout camp. And, and obviously we know Michael Thomas hadn't been there. And um, when he comes back, he's the guy this team really needs because some of these uh, receivers are just – you know, these are guys – even we're talking about Kevin White. Now he's a guy that – I probably wouldn't put him on the same team last year, but – they're so almost desperate for receivers. I think he's good enough to make it, and I think he's he's played well. <laughs> Man, that that is going. To, excuse me, that's going to be interesting because um, I, I saw Mr. Thomas on, on the sideline catching uh, passes. Is the relationship good between management and Mr. Thomas? Um, I don't think it was good at you know, two or three weeks ago, but I think they have talked and for Mike to be there. I mean, I think they said a lot about him and what, cause he could have easily said, no, nah, I'm not coming, but he, and he was practicing. Um, he's like work, rehabbing in Philadelphia, which is, isn't far from Baltimore. So I mean, he was right there, but you know, I thought it was good to see him there. And we talked to some of the players afterwards and they talked about how good it was to see him. So, I mean, I think that's good. And, and Mike's a competitor, man. He's not, he's going, I don't know what the timetable is, but knowing Michael Thomas, he'll beat the timetable because it's just kind of the guy he is. And, He's um, he takes a lot of pride in, in in his work and how good he is. So he's, you know, if he's on the Saints team and playing, I mean, he's gonna he's gonna do his thing. I mean, it's just who he is. He's not gonna ever half do it because that's just that's not Michael Thomas. So um, I think he'll be fine. And once he gets back in there, I mean, I'm sure they both sides realize that you know they didn't handle this offseason thing right. I mean, he should have had the surgery earlier, but I think he was. I mean, nobody wants to have surgery. So if you think you're going to be okay, you're like, oh, I think I'll, I'll be fine. And then all of a sudden you're not. So I think they'll be, I think they'll fix everything. I think Mike likes being here. So, so we'll see. I'm visiting with Rod Walker, the New Orleans advocate for another minute or two here. And we appreciate the time and always uh, Rod, a, a preview of Monday night's game with Jacksonville. Of course, I know fans want the win, but what is this? staff looking for coming into the ball game Monday night against Jacksonville and what they uh what do they want to get out of this game I think the main thing I mean and we go back to last week we, we you do want to see the turnovers cut cut down but I think you want to see 
whichever quarterback, I mean, I think you want to see some consistency. You want to see them be able to move the ball. And I mean, scored 14 points last week, but you want to see them be able to, to move the ball and just the penalties. I don't have the numbers in front of me. The penalties weren't bad last week at all. I didn't, I didn't think, um, I didn't think there was a lot of missed assignments or anything. I think it was just some, some little execution things. And again, those turnovers, I mean, if you get those corrected and, um, if you, if you're, if you're team Jameis and you want to see him, uh, you really want to see him have a good game because I mean, you don't want to, you have another preseason game coming up, um, Saturday, you know, next Saturday. So that's what five days later. So you want to see some, at some point you want to see who the quarterback's going to be. You don't really want to be going into that third preseason game still wondering like, okay, we still haven't figured this out yet. And I, I just think it would look really good for Jameis or Tyson, whoever. I mean, I just think one of them needs to sort of separate themselves and, um, Again, I do think James will be the one to do that, but you know, you just never know. I agree with you on, on, on that one, uh, Rod. And then um, there'll be some decisions made by the staff. They'll have to get down to a certain number of players. Let me ask you this: Are you going to have um, predictions, number of wins uh, coming up in the future for this New Orleans <laughs> Saints team? Yeah. I, I'm kind of interested <laughs> what, what everyone is thinking about as far as the first year without Drew Brees, where, where would they end up on, on the win category? Yeah. When the schedule first came out in, uh, <clears throat> in May, you know, I went, I did a game by game, you know, just uh, they'll win this one, but anyway, I had them going, this is in May now. <laughs> I had them going 11 and you know, 17 games this season. I had them going 11 and six, but since then, I mean, since watching training camp, um, I've dropped down to nine and eight, Two weeks ago, last I mean, they lost Michael Thomas. Yeah, Anyamata's out for six games. Will Lutz got hurt, and to me, Will Lutz. We haven't talked about that injury. I mean, his him being out a lot, but Will Lutz was. I mean, he 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 had some misses like toward the end of the season, but he was a pretty consistent guy. You know, he could pull out some close games, and this is a Saints team that we don't know enough about the offense as far as you know, just finishing drives. They're gonna have some drives that are gonna stall at the 35 yard line and you know you could count on Lush to come in there and make a 52 yard field goal without him I just think that could swing you know swing some games <laughs> the other direction so I got him at nine and eight right now and you know it, it could I could see it going either way man. <laughs> so, right. I, I understand yeah. um but before the, the news about Thomas I, I actually went 11 and six yeah now I'm going to now based on what we know so far I'm gonna drop it down one game. <laughs> well, I dropped it down two games. Yeah, yeah. Well, I dropped from eleven to six to nine and eight. So uh, yeah, yeah. So we the, the same ball figure and got to have some luck. No injuries, and um, with the variant you know going on and right. boy, uh, you 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 just never know. But basically, yeah. you don't want to have to forfeit any right. any games. So. Right. One of my uh, colleagues did a uh, Jeff Duncan did a he basically just polled all the media members who've been at practice and just asked him like what did you think the record was going to be and I think I think eleven and six was probably the ceiling I don't think anybody went higher than that uh, we had some people to go down as far as seven and man the seventeen game schedule throwing a mass seven and ten so um, yeah I mean it's kind of we're all over the place. Nobody really knows. I mean, but I was again. I was in the middle, like at, at nine and eight for right now, and that could change. So, and we haven't really had any. I mean, Lutz's injury was sort of. It was like a core injury, like something. But they haven't really had a 
big injury in camp yet. You know, like nobody's that got hurt or anything like that. Or so, you know, you got to knock on wood and hope that doesn't happen. But uh, yeah, and, and we don't. Another thing is we don't really know how good this secondary is going to be. The corners. I mean, we know Marshawn's good. Uh, Ken Crawley's had an outstanding camp. Uh, Paul Nadebo has been really good. But then when you look at who they're going up against, they, they're not going up against Michael Thomas. They haven't really gone up against Trey Coyne. They're going to get up against some receivers who are you know, probably number two, number three receivers, you know, those kind of guys. So uh, I don't know if we really know because we don't really know how well they've been tested. Well, I'll say this. I, I think defense may have to carry this team all year. And, boy, if they can, you know, force some turnovers and get the offense and short field to work with. And, um, but I, I think the trigger person, the trigger man, the quarterback, he's like the point guard in basketball. My goodness. If uh, I, I think your best option is, is, is Winston, but uh, the defense will may have to carry the load all year. And at least early on, because what they opened up a green Bay. Right. And so th- those first four or five games, it, it'll kind of give us an indication of, Maybe what we can look for, but uh, you're, you're talking be, about the, you're the, Green, the Green Bay game. We don't we don't even know if Marshawn's going to be playing. You know, he has his, you know, he had the legal issue up in up in Cleveland with the um, the arrest or whatever. So mm-hmm. you, know, you may you may roll out there against Aaron Rodgers with with Ken Crawley and uh, Paulson Adebo playing cornerback, which you just don't know enough about them guys to see what they're going to do in, in that kind of environment. I mean, it's it's a diff- it's a whole lot different from training camp and it's a whole lot different from preseason when you're going up against Aaron Rodgers. So, um, you know, we, it, it's just too much unknown right now to know. Well, it'll be interesting to see how these first four or five games go in the season and then season overall. But uh, I, I, I got you down nine and eight, 10 to seven for me. You got to ask me, you got to ask me again before the season starts now, right before the season starts, because I might not stick with nine and eight. Okay, yeah, well, you, you you can have the flexibility to change all, okay. anytime before this first game starts. Right. So you're right. Rod, appreciate the time. It's great seeing you. Uh, take care, man. Stay safe, right. and uh, we'll talk again real soon. All right, anytime, man. All right, thank all you. Right. That was Rod Walker of the New Orleans Advocate and NOLA.com. I'm going to take a quick timeout when I return. I'll visit with A.D. Drew. we got an announcement coming up on about a poll that we're going to uh, – participate in for you the fans so you're watching coles brown show on the black college sports network i'll be right back thank you guys for what you do for hbcu athletics this is a fantastic avenue for 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 all of us this is our espn so we 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 love what you guys do brian ad roy all you guys at bcsn we really appreciate what it is that you got you guys do for us difficult because I hadn't been able to see my grandchildren. An expression on someone's face when you do something nice for them. I miss all my friends in school. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision about COVID-19 vaccine. Yes, that sound means it's time once again for the 36th annual Labor Day Classic. Featuring the Prairie View A&M Panthers versus your Texas Southern Tigers. 
for the Battle of the Lone Star State on Saturday, September 4th. Kickoff, 7 p.m. at BBVA Stadium. Don't forget the halftime battle of the band as the TSU Ocean of Soul take on the PVAMU Marching Storm. Tickets are available online at www.tsusports.com slash LDC tickets. Let's bring the Knicks Durley Traveling Trophy back to its rightful home. This is the BCSN Pod Zone, your place for the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Hear the BCSN Sports Wrap, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Knights of the Roundtable, The Pregame Show, The Carlos Brown Show, The ONG Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way. You consume HBCU sports one broadcast at a time. When times get dark, we can't see the help that's all around us. Let 211 be your guiding light for mental health and other resources. Call 211 or visit 211.org. The HBCU football experience is back in Atlanta on August 28th. College game day, the Coca-Cola fan experience, the battle of the bands. The Cricket Miak Swag Challenge will have it all. Visit MiakSwagChallenge.com for more information. Welcome back to this final segment of the Carlos Brown Show. Watch and heard exclusively right here on the Black College Sports Network. I'm joined now by A.D. Drew of Black High Sports Net- Network Sports Rep. A.D., good afternoon to you, sir. Good afternoon, my brother. How you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm trying to stay out of this heat here in Baton Rouge. Got you, got you, got you. That's all we try to do. Before you and I get into our segment, got a couple more people I want to shout out. Uh, Sherman Miller, and I'm going to let you figure this one out, Carlos, says 1871 with some purple and gold hearts. You go you go figure that one out, Carlos. Good morning, Slam. He is an all-corn state. There you alum. go. Yeah. Somehow they like me for some reason. <laughs> and then success. uh Charles Bishop, our, our Black College Sports Network's very own Charles Bishop. And of the pregame show uh, says, I believe. So I don't know if that's a shout out at me since I'm a fan of you alone, but just a shout out for his Jackson State faithful just in general. Make sure you check out Charles Bishop and Neely. They will have a show this evening right here on the Black College Sports Network and on the pregame show Facebook page. as They'll be live there from Memorial Stadium on this particular evening beginning around, I believe, at uh, about 5 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Eastern. I'm sure they got a lot of activities going on. Uh, a scrimmage, probably, if, if, if they're not, if it's not going on at that time, it's probably they've already had it early in the day. But uh, They'll be covering Bishop, the merge. 
was where the okay. band members uh, merge okay. merge in. Okay. Well, I'll see Neely and Bishop real soon in November, at least. I know when they come to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Boy, AD, when those two institutions get together, it is something to see. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Anything else? That was it for his comments. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That was comments. And I also want to encourage everybody to like, share, and subscribe so that you know when we put out a show, not only when we put out a show, but when the Black College Sports Network puts out a show also. So like, share, subscribe to Carlos Brown Show on whatever platform you're on. Like, share, subscribe to Black College Sports Network and download our new BCSN Pod Zone available on all streaming platforms. Tag team, Black College Sports Network. It's good to be with, with the, the family. And speaking of the family, uh, HBCU Pro Media Association, AD, we're, we're coming out with a uh, mid-major and a major poll for Black College football this season. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that's, that poll will debut on this Monday right here on the Black College Sports Network on our HBCU Pro Sports Media Association show called Knights of the Roundtable. That show, that association is a cross-section of people who cover black sports from throughout the nation. While your show is a little bit more swag-centered, Dr. Cavill uh, is swag-centered from a business point of view. Uh, we've got the pregame show, which is a school-specific show and you know we've got some other shows this is a good cross-section of everybody who not only covers a specific school but a specific conference or a specific region and that show we ran a few episodes of it back in the spring we've brought it we'll be bringing it back in the fall starting on this monday right here at 7 p.m eastern 6 p.m central on the black college sports network for those who maybe will be tuning in for the first time, but those who have tuned in before, um, kind of let them know how the format of the show is going to go. It's it's kind of the old sports reporter show on ESPN with a little bit of cross of uh, part of the interruption uh, that's currently on the big the big boy network, you know. There'll be three or four of us and we'll sit down and we'll talk about whatever the hot topics are in the world of HBCU sports, athletic, and culture for that specific week. But as part of that also, as part of the association, we will have a weekly poll dedicated to football, as you said, major, big major, large school, small school, whatever you want to, acronym you want to use for it. We will have it come out, and it'll come out every Monday right there on the HBCU Pro Sports Media Association and the Knights of the Roundtable show. Yeah. I went back and looked at some comments, and, and you're almost going to have a segment with Axe AD. Um, it, it seems like when you have a comment, it's usually, it, it, it's, can I say it's maybe not outside the box, but it's very intriguing. And here's what I mean. You talked about don't sleep on Mississippi Valley State this year in football and uh, had, had a couple of uh, 
comments about that. They were like, oh, AD, are you sure about Mississippi Valley State? So we might have to do a segment, uh, ask AD or, or get his thoughts on uh, certain topics. But um, the Mississippi Valley State, AD, I would agree. You don't underestimate anybody and don't sleep on Mississippi Valley State. Don't sleep on anybody in this conference. It, it, it's just that simple. I have said more than one time, and I'll stick by my guns until the end of this season. Come the end of October, there will be four to five, if not all six teams on each side that will have a mathematical chance to win the division. I mean, it, it, You've got, I mean, let, let's be real. FAMU, Jackson State, week one. Prairie View, Texas Southern, week one. Now, FAMU, Jackson State, obviously both of those teams are expected to, to contend, so the loser become, uh, goes behind the eight ball. But let's take Prairie View and Texas Southern. The winner of that game gets a leg up, gets out of that possible seller spot, and gets a game up on everybody to get into that contender spot. So that that first week is going to be is going to be crucial. My contention with Valley, they have all their tough games at home, so they 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 are a. Go, going to Itabina, Mississippi, I don't care how, how bad Valley may be, is not easy. So let's let's give them the respect, let's give them their props, and let's see if they continue. In other words, have a, a, an excellent opportunity to change the culture. Now, well, we'll be able to come back at the end of the season and look back and say, wow. AD said, don't sleep on them. You know, they're not expected to do as much, but hey, never underestimate anybody uh, as you as you stated. Um, we talked earlier with Willa Brown. We had to just a little bit uh, short. He's talking about the SIAC. I know that's your particular expertise as well, SIAC. Um, we're talking about parity, competitiveness, you see the same thing in the SIAC? Is it where it'll have to go the stretch of time where we'll see who will be in a position to, to take the, the, the conference championship? SIAC is going to be interesting. I think the east side is a little top-heavy with Savannah, Albany, and, yes, I expect Fort Valley to, Fort Valley to continue. Over on, on the west side, let's be honest, four of the five teams on the west are expected to contend and possibly possibly win. You know, obviously, Miles is the defending champion. Tuskegee is Tuskegee. We saw the breakout season that Kentucky State had in, in 2019. And I do expect Lane to put a little bit of fear in everyone this particular year so that's four of your five teams on the west side so not quite as much parity as you see in the SWAC but yes I do expect 
the SIAC to be a little bit uh, cumbersome, especially when you consider the unbalanced schedule. So for those of y'all who are not familiar with the SIAC, because you have six teams on the east side, five teams on the west, we're not counting Everett Waters and Allen since they cannot compete for the uh, championship this year. That means a crossover game that the west side plays against the east. It counts for the west team, but does not count for the east team. It always brings up interesting scenario and tie-break possibilities at the end of the season because of that. You know, I say if you're going to have unbalanced, do away with the divisions and just let just put teams on the schedule and just let them play and your record is what your record is. When you get into this game counts for this Western team, but does not count for this Eastern team. It, it, it gets, gets confusing to the fans, gets confusing to me as a member of the media. And let's be real. It may affect how some of these coaches play. Hey, this game doesn't count for us. So I may rest somebody in the fourth quarter instead of going all out for their victory or they come from behind victory and, and give the, uh, give reps to the twos or the threes. So, well, put you on the spot, AD. I know you're used oh, to it. Oh boy. Here we go. When's all said and done? Who does ADC winning it? Who will wear the crown? Who will wear the championship belt out of the SIAC? Out of the SIAC, I am going to, Miles is the king of the hill until somebody knocks them off. I've, I've got to put them on uh, as went in the West. Uh, I've got a real toss up between Savannah and Albany State on the East side. I am still going to lean to Savannah for one more year because let's keep in mind, they still have a lot of those Division One. FCS athletes still walking around on campus from their days in the MIAC. So this is this is their, potentially that breakout year. Now, when these two cross over and meet in the SIAC championship game, <sighs> oh, it's a tough one. Huh? <laughs> I know it, 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 it's a tough one. I, I like Savannah. I like the office, but. Knowing Coach uh, Reginald Ruffin and knowing the fact that he's a defensive coach, having having uh, worked with him at Tuskegee and seeing see what he does, I've got to lean. <laughs> I've got I've got to go with my heart and out. I'm not saying that my head may be wrong, but I've got I'm going to right now until I see something else. I'm going with my heart on that one and go and go for my eyes. I I understand well. We'll have you back from time to time, and uh, we'll see how that prediction looks by a week-by-week week basis. But uh, it seems to be competitiveness, competition. That's what all conferences are getting ready to have. And, uh, hey, it starts next weekend, week zero, and then proceeds every other week. Any final comments, A.D.? Just make sure that you uh, tune in later on today to the pregame show. See, see what they got, what they have going on. Make sure you tune into the whole family of shows and podcasts that we have here on the Black College Sports Network. Uh, BJ Jones show will be coming up hopefully this week. Charles Edmonds announces uh, 
his venture uh, this week. So just tune in, like, subscribe, share. I'm going to say it again. Like, subscribe, share. Knights of the Roundtable. And stay tuned for a special edition of BCSN Sports Wrap coming out tomorrow evening also with uh, myself and my co-host, Brian Fulford. On that note, I want to appreciate everyone for watching. Again, remember to share the information, like, subscribe, and share. And we'll do it again next Saturday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, the Coles Brown Show, exclusively right here on the Black College Sports Network. Until next time, as always, peace and God bless.